Welcome back everybody. So this is a fun tale of life in Lagos, Nigeria, seen through the eyes of the carefree and innocence mixed with mythology. I hope you will enjoy this tale with me under the moonlight. Mammy Water Ahem. Uh -huh. The fisherman saw the mammy water and he had a baby in her hand. He told the village and when we all went to the river she was gone. Even my brother here has also seen one of the mammy water. The woman on the TV continued talking with an animated voice loudly into the reporter's microphone. She was surrounded by an excited crowd, young, old and in between, all shuffling towards the cameraman, eager to be seen on TV. So as we can see, the rumours of mysterious beings in the local rivers around the western states of Nigeria is spreading like wildfire, the reporter said facing the camera. She continued. There is currently no way to prove the existence of such creatures that the locals have named Mammy Water. The danger is that the local people in their zealous belief may take matters into their own hands and target anyone whom they may be suspicious of either being one or being involved in witchcrafts connected to these beings. This is Bimbola Odun for Channel 16. Listening to the rooms with her parents in the front room, Lola felt a stab of anxiety and fear in her chest. The thought of a scary mermaid coming out of the river to snatch a child was terrifying to her, but she felt safe at home living in the city of Lagos with no river in sight. She laughed at the thought of an evil mermaid actually existing, they only belonged in fairy tales, of which she had read many as a child. Besides, remembering the people on the TV talking about what they had seen, Lola surmised that they lived a completely different life from her, and even if these mammy waters existed, they were probably confined to those parts of the country. Lola looked around her. Her parents had already moved on from the last news report, now discussing more important and relevant topics regarding the state of the Nigerian economy. It was 1987, and the state of the economy was always a trending topic to most Nigerians. Lola was on her Christmas holiday from school, and at age 12, this was the most fantastic time of the year. No school, with endless hours of hanging out with her friends lying ahead of her. She smiled with this thought as she got herself ready for bed. I'm really bored, Tiwi stated annoyingly. She was standing by her gate kicking a rock. Lola looked up at her from where she was sitting on the bench next to the gate leading to Tiwi's driveway. She was just as bored. The girls had been hanging out for a couple of hours, already chit-chatting about the Bollywood movies that they had watched recently. The heat from the midday sun was particularly effective that day. Just about everything felt hot. The girls' skin, their hair, even the bench Lola was sitting on was verging on the side of being uncomfortable. Nevertheless, the girls were used to such heat and it was not at the forefront of their minds. Boredom was. Yeah, I'm really bored. Remy won't be home till after five today, so we can't even go to her house, Lola said with an irritated voice. Tiwi turned to Lola excitedly. Let's go, she said, and started walking towards the top of her street. Hey, wait, where are you going? Lola asked, scrambling off the bench. Even though she was bored, the idea of walking about aimlessly was not compelling either. In all honesty, she would have preferred to be indoors watching a movie, but as usual, Nepa had struck again and there was currently no electricity supply to the houses in the area, including on her street. 
This was a common occurrence, especially during the daytime, as if Nepa believed children on school holidays did not deserve the joy of TV or even air conditioning. They were not allowed to turn on the petrol-driven generator until her parents got back home. Let's just walk around and see what happens. Maybe we can get some sweets to buy, Tiwi said, her mood already lifting. The girls walked side by side, heading towards Lola's house. They walked past Remy's and stretched their necks to see if she had by some miracle returned home. Remy's parents' car was still not in their driveway, so the girls continued on. They talked about their plans for the rest of the Christmas holiday. So, Didi is coming home from boarding school next week. It's always fun when she's around. Did you know she has a boyfriend? Tiwi said with a sly tone. Didi was Tiwi's older sister and was yet to arrive home from her secondary school. As she was in her final year, she had the misfortune of an extended school term in preparation for her entrance exams to get into university next year. Oh, does your dad know? Lola asked, surprised. Are you kidding me? If he found out, she would be in big trouble, Tiwi replied. Even though their parents were fairly westernized, it was still not acceptable to most parents for their children, regardless of age, to indulge in such relationships until they had completed their education, including higher levels such as university. Sometimes I take phone messages for them when he calls so dad doesn't find out. You know, I almost got into trouble one time when I did that. It was terrible. And with that, Tiwi began to give an account of what had happened. As they continued with their conversation, the girls took a right turn off their street onto the pathway that connected their side of the neighborhood to the busier and less well-maintained side of the area. As they approached the top, they could hear the noise emanating from the bustling streets ahead of them. This part of Maryland was considered the hub of the town. Yellow and black striped buses known as Danfos were packed with people with fearless conductors hanging off the doorways as the buses sped by. Taxis, cars and vans speeding both ways on the road with constant blaring of horns. Afro-juju music mixed with the babble of people of all shapes and sizes also sharing the streets. The contrast between the girls' neighborhood, the well-manicured gardens, quiet paved streets, compared with the hustle and bustle of a typical Lagos main street was stark and obvious and the girls loved it. One could not be bored when immersed in such a world. The girls decided to turn left, walking down the steep slope that was typical of that part of Maryland, following the direction of the local buses and cars driving past on the main road. They knew where the road would have taken them if they had taken the opposite direction as their parents always drove that way towards Lagos City. However, they had never known what was beyond the slope on the opposite way. This would be the aim of their adventure today. Lola continued walking with Tiwi, following the pedestrians on the sidewalk of the busy road. She looked towards the horizon as the road continued. It was a beautiful afternoon. The sky was clear and solitary birds could be seen hopping from treetop to treetop. The unpaved sidewalks were filled with street vendors calling out their wares. Sugar canes on top of their heads so well balanced on the big metal trays, the women walking gracefully despite this load. Several of them were also carrying their babies wrapped on their backs with Ankara clothing. Others were sat outside their open stores. 
Various goods of all colours lined and arranged from the edge of the shop doorways spilling onto the streets. The conversations all around the streets were filled with words from all the corners of Nigeria, Hausa, Igbo, Yoruba, and even the occasional indistinguishable language. Lagos, and consequently Maryland, was a melting pot of peoples from all parts of the vast country, a place to come in search of prosperity and fortune, if you were lucky. As the girls approached what looked like the end of the road, they could see that it actually turned into a bend. The edge of the bend was lined with tall, long blades of lemongrass, whose leaves were known to have sharp edges that could slice into your skin if you had the misfortune to get that close. The bush was dense all along the border of the bend, following the road as it curved onwards. The buses screeched by dangerously, turning right around the bend. It seemed to the girls that the road was never ending. By this time, the heat of the afternoon was becoming unbearable and they decided to turn back, adventure seemingly over. Let's ask this girl here, Lola said to Tiwi, pointing to the girl of a similar age to them, sitting next to one of the shops where they were standing. The girls approached the silent stranger who was perched on a plastic stool. Hey, do you know where this road goes? Lola asked her, turning towards the bend. Yes, it goes to Abilo Market, the girl said. She stood up from her stool. She seemed friendly enough. Do you live around here? Tiwi asked her. It turned out that the girl's name was Yetunde and she did live close by. She was currently sitting in her mother's shop helping her sell her cookware to passers-by. The girls explained to her what they had been doing and that they were about to give up and go back home. You know, there is a way that people take to go from here to Ojota, Yetunde said to them, pointing straight at the bend. Ojota was situated north of Maryland, with about three miles of dense swamp and bush separating the two boroughs. The main route that the girls knew to reach Ojota from Maryland was driving over the main motor bridge, which was in the complete opposite direction to where they were currently standing. As far as they could see, there was no other way to get to Ojota, especially from their current standing point. Lola was certain of this, as her uncle and cousins lived in Ojota and she had been driven there by her dad many times. She told Yetunde this. There is a way down here that people take, that if you want to walk to Ojota without going the long way, you can go this way. Come, let me show you. Yetunde gestured for them to follow her as she began to walk towards the edge of the bend, leaving her mother's shop. Tiwi and Lola followed. It looked like the adventure was not over after all. As the girls approached the edge of the bend, they suddenly saw what looked like a narrow bridge-like structure peeking out from between the dense vegetation. Yetunde walked towards the edge of the bridge. The bridge was roughly assembled with wooden planks nailed together gaps seen in between each misaligned plank. There were no handrails visible and the width of the bridge was only enough to allow people to walk in a single file. The base of the bridge was buried deep in the underlying bush, but in what, the girls could not tell, due to the denseness of the bush. Looking ahead, it was impossible to see beyond one's extended arm. As they stood at the top of the bridge, there was no other person there but them. Lola and Tiwi stood there hesitantly, unsure if they really wanted to follow this strange girl down this isolated pathway. Yetunde began walking confidently onto the bridge. Let's go, she said without looking back to see if the girls would be following. 
Not wanting to look like cowards, the girls followed her, Tiwi walking behind Yutunde with Lola following behind. Lola could feel her heart pounding in her chest with fear. She was not at her best with heights and because she could not see what was at the base of the bushes, her imagination began running wild. She was now quite sure this was a pretty bad idea, but her pride would not allow her to speak up. She focused on trying not to get the sharp blades of the lemongrass graze her skin. She could hear Tiwi making conversation with Yetunde. So, how far is uh, Jota from here? Tiwi asked Yetunde. Not very far, Yetunde replied as she kept walking on the rickety bridge. Ah, okay. So, um, what is in these bushes anyway? Tiwi continued to ask. It's a swamp, you know. Water at the bottom. Sometimes you can see some snakes, crabs and mamiwata, Yetunde replied in a matter-of-fact way. Mami what? Tiwi screamed. Without waiting for a reply from Yetunde, Tiwi made a sudden sharp turn and ran like she was being chased by wild dogs. Without a care in the world, she pushed Lola to the side in her haste to return to the world of the living. By now, all Lola could remember hearing before ice gripped her heart was the scream Tiwi had made at hearing the word Mamiwata. Lola tried to grab something, anything, to stop her from falling into the swamp. Her balance was thrown off from being pushed by Tiwi and she knew she was going to end up in the darkness and coldness of the water and mud that lay outstretched under the rickety bridge. Lola had never known such fear in those seconds and it felt like time had ceased while she was moving in slow motion, definitely to what she thought was her death. Just as she felt she was losing the battle of gravity, she felt her feet stiffen and she fell on her knees still on the bridge. Full of anger, she got to her feet and ran off to Tiwi infused with rage. Tiwi, do you know you pushed me and I almost fell into the swamp? How could you be so selfish? Lola asked, her eyes filling with tears. Tiwi unrepentant stared at Lola, both girls now back on the safety of the bend of the road. That girl said there is mammy water in the swamp. I am not going in there. I want to go back to my house. And with that, Tiwi turned away and strode off decidedly back up the steep slope. Lola spent less than a second of hesitation thinking about what Tiwi had said, remembering the news about the appearance of these mysterious beings. The people on the news had certainly not painted a mammy water to be like the little mermaid Lola had read about in her Walt Disney book. No way was she going to be a victim of such a thing and she ran after Tiwi back towards the safety of their middle class street and houses, all thoughts of Yetunde forgotten, the girls not even glancing back to see what her fate was. The end. Ah, this story is very nostalgic and sometimes I do wish for the innocence of youth. Do you ever feel this way? Do leave a comment below. Well, till we meet again, take care and God bless. Mm -hmm.